There's Always a Lyric is sponsored by Lotus 823. At Lotus 823, your goals are our goals. We help consumer tech, home, and lifestyle brands gain visibility, drive relevant traffic, and increase sales through customized public relations and marketing strategies. Want to learn more? Head over to lotus823.com or get in touch at biz at lotus823.com today. Hey, welcome to another episode of There's Always a Lyric, sponsored by Lotus A23. And today I have a very, very special guest because she's also a friend. Pam Golden is with us today. Pam founded GLA Communications in 1986, which provides high-level strate- strategic and tactical counsel to clients, bringing the benefit of nearly 40 years of experience in creating and executing successful campaigns. She has a keen understanding of the inner workings of the media an affinity for strategic communications and consumer technology, banking, and public policy. Prior to forming the agency, Pam was an account supervisor at Robert E. Griffin, New York, and Frank Barth in New York. Before entering the public relations field, she was an editor in trade publishing for the technology industries, and she started her career as a newspaper reporter at a daily newspaper in Western Pennsylvania. Pam earned a degree in journalism and communications from Point Park University in Pittsburgh. She was a member of the Public Relations Society of America and its Counselors Academy section. And from 2014 to 2017, she served on its executive committee. She was a 2017 recipient of the Leading Women Entrepreneurs Brand Builder Award. Welcome, Pam. How are you? Thank you, David. So great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my, it's all my pleasure. Uh, I have so many things to talk to you about, and especially on this edition where it's kind of a little bit of a CES special edition. Um, and I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that, <laughs> a lot of experience uh, and a lot of knowledge. Um, but I wanted to start where where we are right now and what led you to even take the path of being an agency owner and sort of becoming an entrepreneur and starting GLA Communications. I want to say I kind of fell into it. You know, um, I started, I, I really did. It, it wasn't like this thing I planned. It kind right. of just sort of happened. I was getting frustrated at one of the agencies and I brought in, uh, I was very close friends with Frank McCann and Judy Fleming at RCA. And they said to me, you know what, you should go out on your own. And I'm like, really? Oh, okay. I can think about that. <laughs> and so I did, you know, that's kind of just kind of what happened, you know, it, um, and they were my first, the RCA was my first client. Um, they put their faith into me and said, oh, we know you can do this. I knew them from being a, a journalist, a trade journalist, and I'd become friends with them. You know, um, and they just became my you know, people who said, you, we know you could do this. You've got the capability. You've got the talent. And we we, we want to help you do it. And so without them, it wouldn't have happened. Well, so you were in business. You had one client. <laughs> I had one client. I was in business. What were those early days like? I mean, you, OK, so you like kind of jumped in both feet <laughs> and uh, and just said, OK, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And I was lucky because my dad was a CPA and he had his own practice and it was him and my mom. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to them and said I was going to do this. And I, you know, there was no email. There were no laptops. There were no cell phones. Um, it was a big desktop computer, um, fax machines and a landline. Oh, right? my God, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's the 80s. That's it's, you know, 86. It's that's what was that's what we had for technology back then. And so. Um, my dad had an office and he they had it was a three room office. My mom was in the front. There was a center area that she had a computer in. And then my dad was in the back. 
and they had a table in there and I just took over that table. So I shared space with my parents in the beginning. Well, you know, that kind of that kind of dovetails into the next question a little bit about um, mentors. And it sounds like your parents were mentors as as well. I mean, you, I'm sure you had others, but certainly it started there. Yeah, definitely. They were super supportive about it. And a daughter, she was born in 1989 and I was still sharing space with my parents. She, the first couple of months before she went to daycare, she came to the office with me. And so it was great because my mom got to help out. I'd get on a call and she'd help out. And it was, oh, it was, that was super helpful. Cause you know, back then, you know, you couldn't take three months off or four months off when you're on your own business, that's unheard you know, so you just, you just had to make it work. And I've always been grateful to my parents for helping me get started and, you know, and giving me the space and the support. Oh, that's so great. Um, as you grew in, in, uh, in your profession and and in the space, uh, were there other folks that that you can kind of point to or or say, you know, I really got great advice from so and so, or um, this this person was a good coach or mentor for me? There yeah, not- I think you know I mentioned Frank and 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 Judy, but you know, for kind of helping get this started. But you know, later on in the business, um, Scott Toussaint, who is my consulting chief financial officer, um, he's been a part side by by my side for the last like 15 years. Oh, wow. um, and he, I met him in the 2005, I think. I don't make a financial decision without him. You know, so he taught me how to read a, a P&L. He taught right. me how to create a budget. You know, um, I didn't know any of that stuff. So, you know, one of the things I've learned is you, not just, you know, we've always talked about this, David. Yeah. You can't only be in the business, you have to be on the business. Absolutely. And, and stepping back and looking at it and you have, you know, you have to know how to run the finances of your agency. So anyone who's running a company, whether you're a PR agency right. or a retail store, you need to understand the business side of it. And I didn't for a long time. Um, you're very specialized. You've done a lot of work in specifically in tech, period. Obviously, we've got the, you know, the 800 pound gorilla staring at us in the face, CES 2024. You know, it's unbelievable. It's only a few months away. As you've seen everything that's happened, pre-pandemic to pandemic to post-pandemic to, uh, trade show experience uh, to last year. And what do you think? What are your thoughts about CES and how it's evolved, how it's continued to evolve, and specifically about CES 2024? So, you know, I'm going to take us back a little bit into history. So my first CES was June of 1979. Oh, my God. Right. I was a reporter and I covered um, software. There was a consultant to freelance writer, contributing editor. I was working in videography at the time mm-hmm. who covered the hardware side of it. And um, guy, his name is Mike Heist, still mm-hmm. in business, lives in L.A., good friend. And he and I went to CES together and I covered software. Now in 1979, the only software that was at CES was porn. And I was, I was like 22 or 23 years old. And Michael and I would walk the halls and do the show together because my first CES. And then we went to that area and I was just like so embarrassed and not sure what to do. It was pretty much a very unique experience for me. It was a fun time because it was so small. Right. You know, and the, the group of press that covered it, you know, I started as a trade reporter and even the, then be, when I went into PR, there were only, you know, there were 10 or 15 reporters that really covered the industry and all the PR people at the folks at RCA and GE and Sony, we all got to be friends 
and there was a handful of agencies and, you know, we, we coordinated everything. So RCA would do dinner and GE would do like this dessert thing afterwards. And it was just, it was a different time, you know, it was, right. it, it was more relaxed and um, mm-hmm. not as competitive, I think. Um, right. And really watch this whole thing explode. I mean, yeah. we're there from yeah. those much smaller yeah. early days to really what it became, what, what it is. Right. Um, now it's technology everywhere. I mean, you know, so, you know, um, CES has technology ranging from still TVs, you know, 4K TV and 8K TV that all launched at CES. I launched for RCA at CES Direct TV um, back in the day and, you know, all sorts of other technologies, you know, um, that launched at the show. And now you look at CES and it's really the biggest automotive show. The entire West Hall is dedicated to automotive and automotive technologies um, and ancillary businesses. And, you know, we hope, you know, West Hall opened for us last, it's CES 2023. And, you know, we'll be back in there with automotive again in 2024. Um, But now you've got a lot of, you've got the content side, you've got artificial intelligence. If somebody asked me recently, you know, what's your, you know, what's your thought on AI? I mean, this is all new. And like, no, CTA and CES have been talking about, um, artificial intelligence for years. Right. It's been integrated in so many products over the years. Not, you know, Siri is artificial intelligence. Alexa is artificial intelligence. Right. Um, you know, people don't think of it that way. Right. Now they're only thinking of it as chat, GBT, or BARD, but it's been around for a really long time. So when you think about the history of the industry, it's evolved so much because technology touches everything from whether it's the computer, the phone, your refrigerator, your microwave, you right. know, every, right. everything. And um, it's been it's been an interesting journey. And, you know, one of the things that's changed at CES as well is, you know, it used to be very retail focused. Right. And it was really a show for retailers. And that has shifted as the retail landscape has shifted. And now it's everybody. You've got government folks. You've got congressional people. You've got um, content producers. We've got C-Space where, you know, for marketing and advertising and content you know, at the show, and it's it, it runs the gamut from every industry. Aver- you know, advertising people come because everyone's marketing and using technology to market. With all of your experience, you have advice that you can give in terms of a new company that's coming into the space and they want they they are going to exhibit at CES and they're expecting you know this this to be a big moment for visibility for them mm-hmm. and hopefully gain traction and gain retail customers and all, you know, all the things that, that a new brand is looking for. Do you have any, any thoughts from all the years that you've done this? I would say, you know, manage your expectations. The the big brands get a lot of the coverage, you know, because that's who they are. Right. Um, but smaller brands do get visibility, um, but you have to start now. And you probably should have started six months ago. Because right. companies that reach out to media, you know, in November, December, it's and, and, and it's the first contact with them. They're like, you know what, you're just one and done for me, you know. Um, but building a relationship with them, which is harder and harder to do now, I, I, I grant that. Um, but um, I would say at CES, take advantage of everything. If you're an exhibitor at CES, take advantage of everything CES has to offer as far as, you know, providing them with materials, providing mm-hmm. them with video, um, you know, um, we offer for exhibitors for certain, we look for products that we, we feature on um, 
uh, TV shows that our spokes, the CS spokespeople talk about. So we'll put out a call for products. So we're going to respond to that. And if it fits into what we're looking for, we will include that. Um, the um, participate in CS Unveiled because it's a showcase where hundreds of media show up and they're looking for something new and different. Um, and, you know, just, you know, be on, so you know, promote yourself on social and take advantage and try to, you know, come to New York and do, and at maybe San Francisco, depending where your media are, try to do some desk sides or some meetings with them um, to get in front of them to show your, talk about your product or your technology. When you look at that landscape coming into 2024, um, do you see any specific challenges either for them or for CES itself? You've got to find a way to stand out. Um, my advice would be not to spam, you know, look at the, you know, look at the media that you're, um, want to target. If somebody doesn't write about the category that you're talking about, don't send it to them. You know, they, they just don't, it's the, there's a phrase in PR, uh, spray and pray, you know, it's just send it all out there and hope that the universe picks it up. And it really, up. it's, it's, you're basically just spamming reporters and they've got so much coming into their inbox. Right. They don't want to, they don't want to, you know, stuff that's not relevant. And so take the time to research, you know, I still spend time looking at people's stories and things like that. I just don't go into the database or, you know, whichever database you're using, um, to find, you know, reporters because they change beats really quickly. Um, so it, if you just go by that, it's, you know, then it's not. And then you also, what I've done a few times is if it's somebody I know and they're not writing about that area, but I, I'll reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm writing on, I've got a client in this area. I know this isn't your beat, but could you recommend somebody at the publication who would be better for this? You know, if you've got a relationship with the reporter right. um, or editor. And I, and I think to to get to that relationship part, it goes back to your first point, which is you can't just spray and pray because whether you're an agency or you're the brand, whoever, doing that, all it's going to do is um, make make you not a person welcome in someone's inbox and you'll get end up getting blocked. Because exactly. the average media person now is getting like 700 me uh, emails a day. Yeah. And it's, they they don't have time to get spammed by somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, also, you know, if you're creating content, whether it's a press release or a blog or whatever, making it so that it's telling a story, you know, so many press releases are, we're the best, we do this, you know, and it's, they don't, they're not going to be past the first three sentences, maybe the first paragraph. And if you don't get to the news right away and it's, you know, company X, the largest, blah, blah, you know, they don't want to hear it. They just, you know, just the facts is what they want. And why is this unique and different? Why should we pay attention to you? What what benefit are you providing the end user, whether it's a B2B product or a B2C tech product or software, whatever? Right. Um, you know, put, you know, I think you put your, yourself in the perspective of the recipient as opposed to the sender. Um, and that will, that will great help. Advice. That's Great advice for uh, and, and I tell that to my clients too. If you know, I you know, one of the things I you know I push back on is you know, if they ask me to do something that you know that releases that's not going to fly. That we can't write it that way because you have to think about what the reporter wants, not what you want. You know, obviously you have to get your message across, but you have to do it in a way that's going to resonate with the recipient, and as well as getting your message. Agreed. Delivered. 
what what became your why and and did that change did the why change over time or has it always kind of stayed the same i i know you have uh like i consider your dna really as a reporter first and, you know a journalist that then kind of flips sides which i think created a huge advantage for you um but but what's the why what what as the company really you you said okay this is real and i'm turning this into something what what became your why so i think it's evolved over time you know um it's but i think right now it's and i, I mean i know this has been used overused probably and may not be unique but my clients view me as a strategic advisor you know a trusted advisor right. you know um one of the challenges in pr and i think as you get agencies get bigger and it's more competitive and you've got more staff and you need to pay your bills and make your overhead people take on clients for the sake of taking on clients so that they could cut you know make payroll and 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 meet and and cover everything but for me it's about working with people i like companies i respect people i respect and you know and that will respect me and trust me and i found that if i can't have a conversation with a client and give them the advice based on my years of experience or my outside perspective because they're in you know being outside is an advantage because i'm not as close to it and so that has become my why is becoming their trusted partner as opposed to their agency that's great um and that, and that's actually a, a great um piece of advice in terms of how to really have a business that is thoroughly connected to who you are was there a time that you can point to where you failed or uh you just basically felt like you went in the wrong direction and and how that helped you how that taught you i think early on you know i made probably some not the best hiring decisions you know you as you're growing and looking for people and trying to build a team and you know i was something i hadn't done before so you, know, you don't always know what to ask or you don't always you know give the best guidance to your staff best leading you know wasn't the best leader in the beginning i think yeah. um and i've and you know over the years have actually you know that's something i i'm very proud of how i've evolved in my leadership skills um and so knowing when to step away and say okay this isn't working for any of us um that kind of thing but i i think hiring decision and leadership in the beginning of the first few years was probably my weakness um but i think that is i've grown and as a result i'm you know president of the board where i live in my community where i live um i and i'm on a board at my synagogue and helping lead there and you know and and also i've mentored you know i know you asked about mentors on who mentored me but also i really love mentoring young people young pr people or even just young people especially women because you know you notice that most of my connections had been men because in the early days of consumer electronics consumer technology it was mostly men to me that's um that's a kind of like a give back from you to mm -hmm. to really to a career and an industry that gave you a lot and and really shaped your direction professionally yeah uh, with all that said how do you find balance where so, do you <laughs> where do i find balance um 
I, I play pickleball. Oh no! You're, yes, you're I, know, I, love, I love pickleball. In fact, um, yeah. So that's that's one thing. But I think more important, I um, find balance through my family. Um, as you know, I have a two and a half year old granddaughter. So that brings that puts everything in perspective, right? So um, they, I'm very fortunate. They live not too far from me. Um, my daughter and son-in-law, and my granddaughter and my grandpa. And can't leave him out. And, um, you know, I have made that a priority. So when they need help, I make myself available. I love that. I love being around my family and and my friends. And that, you that's know, where you, you rejuvenate there. That's where you mm-hmm. energize is, is through yeah. those interactions. That, that's wonderful. And uh, it's wonderful also to have family nearby that you can spend time with and watch your granddaughter grow up. I mean, that's those are all gifts, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Well, listen, I have a couple more questions, but one is, with all of your experience, any advice you can share, a little free advice uh, for folks that are getting started in the industry and want to make a career like you in, in community? Yeah, I mean, for I mean, if you're looking at starting your agency, you know, my number one advice would be ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Most of us business owners think we should know everything. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do it on our own, and we can't. That's you know, right. we can't. We need to have a group of people and advisors. So I have, you know, my seat, Scott, my consulting chief financial officer. I work with George Rosenberg as a coach. Um, I met him through Counselors Academy through PRSA. Um, you know, join counselors if you're starting out. I mean, I'll do my pitch for counselors. It's um, great group of folks that PR people who support each other, um, find your people, you know, um, that you can call in and ask for advice. David, you and I do that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if, you know, find partners, you know, I, I bring in new, if I get new business that I don't think I'm going to handle, or I not complete the expertise, I'll bring in another, another agency to partner with me or consultants. Yeah. Um, don't do it on your own. You don't have to do it on your own. It's very lonely running an agency when you don't have a business partner. I mean, you're lucky because you have your lovely wife, but um, when you're by yourself, even if you have staff, everything falls on you. So you have to find the people who can help you navigate and and provide advice because otherwise you you, you can't make all the decisions on your own. It's just too too overwhelming. And there's a lot of times that you need that objective third-party voice of someone that's trusted, but that will give you an objective viewpoint on something. Right. I mean, think of it this way. We're about trusted counselors, advisors to our clients. So right. why wouldn't we need that from our from somebody else to help us? Totally, totally agree. Totally agree. All right. So now to my favorite question. If there's one song title or lyric that captures you or your view on life, what would it be? It would be I will survive. <laughs> that is such a Pam Golden statement. <laughs> I think you'd love that. <laughs> I should have guessed. <laughs> That's so you. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, 37 years in business, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, changes in your personal life, changes in your business life, ups and downs, you know, pandemic, post-pandemic. Oh I right, mean, right. you know, business, <laughs> you know, it's just, you got to look at it and say, you know what, I'm a survivor. I've, I've gone through ups and downs and I'm still here 37 years later. Thank you, Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> yeah. 
Pam, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I know you're super busy. It's really been a pleasure having you. And thanks for all those insights. Uh, the, this has really been a, a great conversation from someone who's been on both sides of the aisle, which is really great. Thank you. Thank you, David. I'm so glad you asked, and I'm so happy to spend this time with you today.